free because my time of baby care is complete. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to all the moms out there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which has been sort of a little reveal for you. Yeah. Right? It's been interesting. It's caused a crisis identity crisis because I've always wanted, thought that I wanted like five kids and to be like the mom and the, have that be the center of my world. And like, you know, I'm 39. It's not to say I won't have children or meet someone that has them, but it's been a little bit like, okay, maybe this isn't a necessity that will break my spirit or that I'll have to like grieve d deeply if it doesn't come to fruition, which is honestly pretty nice, but it has been like, whoa well if this is true if I'm wrong about this like what else have I been wrong about like maybe everything <laughs> but but it's just it was a challenging few weeks but it was very illuminating and transformative and I'm of course very grateful for that mm -hmm. I'm still you know still in process and progress I guess yeah yeah I mean, that was, that was kind of what happened for me too. Cause I, you know, I wanted to be a mom so bad. It was, that was my life goal to be yeah. a mom and have, have my version of the white picket fence, you know, yeah. and then, and then it didn't work out. And cause I didn't want to be a single mom. I was very clear about that. And so by the time things settle down enough, I'm, I'm a little old. And what had happened to what is what is you know seems like it's happening to you happened to me too where I was like uh, I think I'm too old, that looks hard. Oh. <laughs> I'm a little too selfish. Like I like I really like my time mm -hmm. and I like the freedom and I just I know it's different if they're your kids. I know that there is a love and a bond that you have that kind of obliterates all of these other considerations <laughs> and stuff, mm -hmm. but nonetheless it's it's real like that exhaustion yeah right all those new parents who are going around sleep deprived and like barely sane and stuff yes that that is real <laughs> it's real and I talked to my mom whenever it was the last week or so and she's like yeah you could don't you cannot understand it like people will tell you how hard it is to raise kids and to have them but like you actually can't get it until you're doing it and I wasn't even me you know I wasn't up in the night with him I wasn't but it's yeah. a lot and it also like I have a lot of friends who are single moms and like I have thought like well maybe I'll just do that on my own like if I don't find a partner yeah and I really don't feel like I would do that they don't they're having a rough time I mean it is any of them like, yeah, I'm so glad I did this as a single mom, like, like no I problem. think so. <laughs> like not, maybe I haven't heard that. Okay. I mean, I've definitely heard like, I love my kids and right. all of that, but I don't 
I don't know that like that would be the, the first choice, but I also don't know. So I, I don't want to speak for them. Yeah. Right. I mean, there is definitely some wisdom to the biological urge to like, you know, I mean, you know, all the hormones that are just like pumping through your veins at 18, 19, 20, because that is the perfect time to have kids. Yeah. You're still young. You're stupid. You don't know any, you, you're not like going, oh, well, I'm not sure about this. You're just like, you know, pursuing mm -hmm. your drives. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then by the time you sort of start to sort of wake up from the fog of hormones, your kids are kind of able to get around and take care, you know, take care of themselves, maybe make their own lunches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so like starting late I think that's tough I mean mm -hmm. I think it would be tough yeah not that you can't and not that I mean you know everyone's story is different yes. but I feel you, like you, know, you more... can fall in love with your children and just be like well how could I ever have done anything else you know yeah so I think being more open I think as time has passed in that road hasn't opened up for me like I've become more open to different life paths and this mm. experience has again helped me see that I mean I feel like there's still a nugget of longing in me but I also am like you know surrender like I I really can't control it <laughs> yep. yep unless I want to go out there and like get you know a sperm donor and just do I'm like this is what I'm doing now but I don't feel that strongly about it yeah yeah no I never wanted to do that mm -mm. <sighs> yeah I mean you know I still I'm technically still able to have bare children I don't know it, yeah. I mean I think they would advise me not to but mm -hmm. um you know it's still you know, it sort of comes up. Yeah. So I don't think that ever really goes away, mm -hmm. you know. And I do like, there is always like adoption too. Right. You know, like I, I know. feel like or that, fostering. Right. Like that would be, cause I do feel like there is a pretty big part of me that's a mothering part. Um that I've been able to have different outlets for, but it's like, you know, if that, who knows, life is long, adopting or fostering teens or, you know, older kids or wh whatever. I mean, who knows, but it was sure an interesting <laughs> experience. Yeah. Eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad I'm grateful I had it because it's honestly been something like I've wanted and thought about before, like, oh, I could go stay with this friend and like be the nanny or whatever. And now I've, I've gotten to do that. So now I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. 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 It's funny. So I'm staying with my other friends now who have also have a child, but he's just had his one year old birthday. Mm. and he's in daycare which is very nice <laughs> um and like because of I think my mom and just think you know I've always been like oh, I don't know if daycare is the best option but like already I'm like daycare is the best option 
no, but it's just funny because for some reason, like when I met this little guy for the first time, like their parents kept accidentally calling me uncle instead of aunt Larkin. <laughs> What? Uncle Larkin. So now my so now I'm Uncle Larkin. <laughs> that's, just, that's ridiculous. Because oh. <laughs> you're not even vaguely, you know, like, but right, right. No, it's, it's, not. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> that's funny. That's cute. So Aww. it'll yeah. be fun to have a few more weeks with a wee one around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I think a lot of it has to do with the way our culture is, you know, in our culture, we don't have that, that we don't have a village life where everyone takes turns taking care of the kids, you know, like when we were children in Micronesia and that it's very, you know, it's totally an indigenous culture, um, tropical Island indigenous culture. And like they love children. So if there's a baby, the baby is going from arm to arm throughout the entire visit and they'll fight you for it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So you do not have to worry about your child. If you show up somewhere, your child's going to be watched, taken care of, spoiled, (laughs) entertained and loved, you know, like children are welcome everywhere you know, and it really is a village raising the child and we just don't have that. So I think that the burden is quite a bit higher on parents um, than it used to be. Plus, I don't even want to get into the attitudes of millennial and younger parents. Well, then there used to be, you could, you could, you could discipline children that weren't yours. If they were being rotten, in public, you could discipline them, not spank them, but, you know, tell them to stop. And now you can't even tell a kid to stop being a brat. Yeah. <laughs> That's uncool. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's fascinating. And, and just like, I don't know, I probably saw it on Instagram or somewhere, but like how much, how there's such a lack of support for parents in this, in America versus other countries. Yeah. Um, and I think it can be, you know, the more capitalist yeah. kind of support, but also that village kind of mentality. Like, yeah, I just, it's crazy how many things seem fairly backwards <laughs> here. I know. Well, they're, you know, I, um, I had this really awesome human development class when I was in grad mm. school that kind of helped me sort of look at things in maybe a little bit less of a um, value loaded way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, what it did was it, it challenged the assumption that there was some ideal, you know, sort of utopian way to organize yourself as a society and cultural values and stuff. And just looked with curiosity at the kinds of um, values that a culture had and and linked them to the ways that they raise their children. So for example, it looked at some indigenous tribes where, for example, there's this crazy photo of a child sitting on a counter. It's like not even two years old, maybe. 
and it's like holding this giant knife and no one's supervising or anything. And in this particular culture, it's very important to be able to like wield um, machetes. I think it's a jungle Mm. situation that they live in. So you have to learn how to handle a knife from a very early age. Wow. So they let their kids do it. That's and, cool. And then in, in other cultures that are like very collectivist, you know, the thing about carrying your, your babies on your body, mm-hmm. you know, so that they're always with you, you know, mothers like, you know, carry the baby like swaddled onto their back or onto their front while they work and stuff. Yeah. That like that cultivates a different kind of person like development, it, there, it, it generates like a different kind of developmental, like whole possibility, you know, series of possibilities and, and that it's neither good nor bad. Mm. Um, and that like in America where the values are very individualistic, you're really trying to get people to become unique individuals who have something maybe hopefully extraordinary to contribute. So innovation is very valued in the, in the U.S. and a lot of most of the Western, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cultures, and so putting the baby to bed in a separate room, you know, making sure you know not you know rushing to pick it up if it cries in the middle of the night, not letting it sleep with you, like these are all things that foster that independence yeah. and individuality. I hated it. <laughs> I wanted to go sleep in my mom and dad's bed until I was nine. I, I just remember That's that. That's what I did. <laughs> and you got to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I never got to. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. But you can just kind of, I mean, it's so it's like, well, what is the culture value? Yeah. That's really fascinating. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And on and on, I've got like, uh, you know, ongoing questions about even sort of like, you know, to the meta cultural values that relate to, I mean, my latest thing is about sociopathy. What is that? So have you ever noticed that like big business, like big corporate enterprise, that the ways that it operates and what is considered successful and unsuccessful big business is a little um, heartless. Yes. Um, not entirely, not every business, but there's a, there's that edge, you know, cutting costs. If you have to like, you know, lay people off and cut wages, you know, in order to like boost profits so that the shareholders make more money, like that's just how it, that's mm. what you have to do, right? And, you know, paying your CEOs, these mushrooming like salaries, you know, like this is just what you have to do. And it doesn't matter that the little people who work for the companies are, you know, their piece of the pie is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Like that doesn't matter because industry is what, you know, is valued the most and corporate profits are like the deity of the right. day. Well, and so, wait, what is this called? So, so see something. So sociopathy is, sociopathy. A, is a psych term and it just means lack of empathy. Okay. And cause like an empathic 
corporate structure would go, you know, this isn't very nice to our employees. Like this is very, like all the lives who are being damaged by these corporate practices Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. Or like, you know, dumping, polluting in the environment, which, you know, like there are like, there's a whole canon corporate canon that like, you know, you don't want to, um, limit big business by making them clean up the environment. You know, you're going to be damaging their, like their wealth creators, you know, and they create jobs. So if you make them like clean up the environment, you're digging into all of that capacity to generate wealth. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's a little bit chilly at heart. And I think that we continue to like where we continue to sort of be at a crisis point as a culture, global culture about whether that's okay, you know? And because there's two kinds of sociopaths, there's organized and disorganized and mm-hmm. the disorganized ones all end up in prison. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, thousands of years ago, they were the warlords. And they were very successful. They would, yeah. they could amass power. I mean, Genghis Khan, he's a freaking war criminal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Total war criminal. But uh, you know, he was also very successful. And there, you know, that was just that was there was that was a model of power that was accepted. You know, not everyone loved it and not everyone was like that, but it was people would rally around someone like that. Right. right? Because at least they would be safe under the umbrella of For a warlord. For other reasons, they would rally around. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Yep. Either fear of the person or fear of like what was outside of the person's protection. Right, right. Um, so like that has become less and less sort of socially sanctioned, I think, over time. And more and more of those people end up in prison. But then there's the organized sociopaths and they are still promoted to the heads of corporations. Like there's a lot of high functioning, highly intelligent sociopaths who are leading corporations. And they also tend to congregate at the pinnacles of power in like government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, not every CEO, not every big, powerful political leader, but it's just, there's a lot of them in there. Yeah. Yeah. And they tend to rise to power because they're not squeamish about like being cutthroat and doing. And the fact that we tolerate that and continue to reward it. Right. Not only tolerate it, says but something like about us. It. it seems like, or idealize it or something. We at least permit it. Right. Oh yeah. Right. What's we don't the put them in jail. Condone. We condone it. Yeah. And that is on every single one of us. Yeah. And I feel like we're at this, like, you know, it's like a long conversation, right. That has had over centuries mm-hmm. as we sort of like evolve and decide like what's okay. And what's not okay. You know, what's a war crime now used to be just <laughs> standard operating procedure. <laughs> yeah. You know, one day, you know, it's hard to know where we're going to go. Yeah. But I was going to look at this guy's name. I think it's, I think it's Dan Price. 
I don't know. I don't know how I, I probably started following him through my uh, business coach. Um, but he's out here in Seattle and I don't know what his company does, but at a certain point he took a massive pay cut and decided to pay everyone that worked in his company $70,000 a year. And like everyone in the business sector was like, what are you doing? You're a fucking idiot. Like, oh, sorry. You're a bleeping idiot. Um, <laughs> guess we're doing explicit on this one. And it's, he's on there just saying like, no, like productivity is increased. Like everyone's so much happier at their job. Like people feel valued. People mm. show up like happy to come mm -hmm. to their work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just really like, wow, like there's, there's a different way to do this society. Like, can we try that way? <laughs> I know. For I a know. little while or I don't know. I know. Yeah. And you know, the whole conversation about minimum wage, I think is like a, like a, an attempt to sort of chip into that a little bit, but it's, it's so, I mean, a $15 so minimum wage is still yeah, it's yeah. like you can barely make it on that. You certainly can't no. raise a family on that. No, you can sort of have a simple life as a single person on fifteen dollars an hour, depending on where you live. Honestly, depending on where, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But I mean, it does feel like a more accurate minimum wage, which is another yeah. thing I don't understand. They've said up until recently that we have had almost no inflation since kind of like through the nineties, even. And I'm like, how? they measure that is, is broken because if they say we haven't had much inflation and yet housing costs have tripled and quadrupled since the early nineties and food costs have also at least quadrupled since then, then what are we talking about? Since those are the two biggest expenses in an average person's, you know, monthly budget, yeah. what the, you know, you can't do it barely on, you certainly can't do it on $10 an hour. I know people who are still paying their employees $11 an hour and they're like, I just can't afford to do more. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Then you need to be in a different business or change your model or yeah, something. Yeah, you need to charge more then, you know. Something yeah. is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. My coach is also a very big like proponent advocate for UBI, like universal basic income. And just the, the oh, sense yeah. that like, if you knew, if you were able to give this person like, you know, $500 a month that they could count on and then let them go and work at minimum wage or whatever, then it could have a pretty massive impact. Yeah. And I know the there's a lot of people who piloted have that have, I think, you know, the pilot programs for that have done really well. She was in a pilot program for that. No, no, she wasn't. But I've uh -oh. heard, I've heard of, like, I've read a few articles, I think about like just cities or like, well, they've piloted UBI in like small cities and maybe other countries. I, I, I would have to actually look it up to speak to it accurately. That's what Andrew Yang ran on. Eh? Yes. She loved Andrew Yang. She was a Yang. She was yeah. part of the gang gang, but Yeah. I mean, I guess I feel like, okay, sure, maybe government could have the solution, but like, I feel like until we as a collective decide that this, that we're going to think about all of these things differently mm. than like relying on government to solve it. 
uh, I don't know, there's limitations with that for me. Yeah. You know, cause I don't know. No, I can feel that. And then, and you know, the, the sort of like passive role, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about UBI cause on the one hand, if other things were better, I would say, yeah, that sounds perfect. But then I don't know. There's part of me that worries about people being complacent maybe mm. and mm -hmm. passive and sort of like, oh, entitled, right? The attitude of entitlement. There's a weakening factor with that, mm. yeah. which isn't good for people. I mean, okay, so, so this is, we can segue. Yes. <laughs> That is segue out of all this crazy segue out of economics and whatever. politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just got back from the woods. Mm. We spent five days at our property in North Carolina. Uh, we call it the old place and you know it. Mm -hmm. We've been there. <clears throat> we um we built a 12 by 12 foot camping platform in the woods Yay! and it's not far you know the trail that goes up to the knob mm -hmm. um like I mean I don't even think it's a, maybe a hundred yards in and then you cross the stream and then it's in a little clearing right up there on the left near the stream so, can you hear the stream totally I love that stream so much <laughs> and it's right next to one of those, it's like a tiny falls. So there's a loud burble all the time, you know, mm -hmm. um, right at the crossing is where that is. And it was magical. It was beyond magical. Oh my God. <laughs> Just being in the canopy of trees. Cause like the forest is really tall now. Like I feel mm. like it's well over a hundred feet. Wow. The tops of the trees for sure. Like 120 feet, maybe. Yeah. They're tall and cause they're poplars and they like to grow straight upward in those mm -hmm. kind of conditions. And just, you know, you're surrounded by this like cathedral, the green cathedral. It's just like, you know, like so amazing. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was, uh, I didn't work the whole time on the platform, but I was like clearing brush. There was a bunch of yucky brush piles, like right in the area. So I spent a bunch of time clearing brush and tidying the whole space and stuff. And I felt like this is related to the weakening effect. I felt like after three days of like working on this project that like something, you know, cause I've had all this pain, right? Workstation yeah. fatigue from sitting at the computer too much or, but even, you know, all of, you know, like I, wa I walk usually about an hour a day, like that wasn't enough. I've been doing exercises. That wasn't quite enough. I mean, I've been slowly getting better, but anyway, at the end of the week, there, I felt I'm almost pain-free. What? That's amazing. Wow. You know, and it was, it was, it was incremental. Cause like, I still had to do my exercises, but 
I've missed, I missed yesterday and I uh, missed today and I'm almost pain-free. And I feel like working, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was like having to go back and forth and like, I'm, but I'm also like surrounded by this like beautiful cathedral of the forest. So like my spirit is like very happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the same time, like that somehow that combination. And then we were also, it was very creative project mm-hmm. because we're trying to figure out like, what exactly, how exactly we want this space to be. And so, you know, there's like a, I don't know, it's and not collaborative, just collaborative, like collaborating, collaborative, with- creative, yeah. but very physical. Mm-hmm. Like, like I felt like it was, um, I mean, I was exhausted after the first full day. I mean, my knees were buckling <laughs> mm-hmm. and I just felt like we just get so, uh, so much benefit from like working mm-hmm. like there's a huge like spiritual and physical mental emotional benefit from working in a way that is kind of like full spectrum like the total being is engaged somehow yeah, yeah. um you know I was listening to the trees and <laughs> it, was, it was amazing um I mean, talk about forest bathing. I felt like I was forest showering, you know, yeah. like the whole time. It was. That's awesome. And, and, and I wasn't the only one. We were all just kind of like in awe going, this is incredible. Once we got it built, we, we hung out on the platform mm-hmm. trying to figure out the shelter, like whatever, but we're just like, we don't want to leave. Yeah. Like this is the place to be. Yeah. You know? So how that relates back to the other is just that, I mean, there has to be some alternative to just, you know, like receiving a government subsidy. Yeah. (laughs) But it takes a lot more. It takes a different kind of vision of of a different kind of human in a way, you know, a different way of relating to the natural world, a different way of relating to each other, a different Mm -hmm. way of doing business. Do you think that's coming? I mean, do you think we're being shooken up enough and, and all of that to have enough folks start to trend in that direction that like in future generations, like that world will come to be like, I really hope yeah. But the answer is yes. Yeah, me too. I hope so too. Um, I mean, I was hearing things from like my father who I feel like he's a, a certain kind of a bellwether. Mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, he's a little conservative. So he's sort of slower to jump on some trains, right? Yeah. So that when he finally, but, but he's still not closed. He can, you know, he's got a good antenna Mm -hmm. so that when he does sort of go, Oh, something's happening. I like, I take that as some kind of a, Mm. you know, a sign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he was talking like that this weekend. Cool. Yeah. So his take was that, you know, in some ways Trump was a gift because he completely turned the notion of what it is to be a president on its head. Like 
And he did it for four solid years of just flouting tradition. And he kept getting away with it. Mm -hmm. And we were just sort of flapping our arms going, wait, that's not how you're supposed to do it. And he's like, I don't want to do it like that. And I don't have to. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, actually that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so that more and more people now are starting to say, I'm not going to do it the way it's always been done or the way you're expecting it me to do it. And the example that he, he was, you know, keying into was the, what what's happening with the pro tennis players, I guess the Wimbledon, um, two of the top players pulled out for health reasons, mental and emotional and physical health. Like this is too stressful for me wow. right now. Like the, the, the demands of the, so Nadal pulled out, I guess, Rafael Nadal, he got injured, but he felt like it was the, the crazy schedule that they were being forced to play. Yeah. Um, he was just like, I got injured because I'm so exhausted and I don't need to do this anymore, or I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then there was a woman, I forget her name, Naomi Osaka or something. Oh yeah. I did see that. Hers was a little different. Like whoever the governing agency is um, of that sport was like, you have to do these certain interviews. And she was like, I don't, these hurt me. These are not good for me. Like it's too painful. Like, cause they wanted her to like, I don't know the nature of the interviews that they wanted to drill into like emotional issues or something. And she's like, I'm not going to do it. And they said, you have to, or we're going to find you. So they find her. $20,000 or some big amount. And so she quit. She said, I'm not playing your game. And then, and I guess they backpedaled and they were like, oh, wait, we're sorry. That isn't really what we mean, but it was too late. She's like, I'm out. Wow. So I don't know if that's still, I haven't looked to see what the update is, but just even that to sort of say, no, I'm not doing what you think Mm -hmm. I should, you know, the way that it's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of myself. Yep. And that people that there seems to be more of that. Yeah. People just one by one saying, wait, no. Personal sovereignty is being valued. Right. Over whatever else. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. like the cultural, like judge mm-hmm. and jury. <laughs> whatever. That's cool. Yeah. And, you know, I even got the feeling that, I mean, it just sort of came to me all in a rush that like, like, so the decision that I made to step away from work until I can sort out all this pain stuff and like maybe sort of pivot to do something completely different. Um, and, you know, you're kind of, you're in this sort of open exploration mode and stuff that like, we're not the only ones doing this. <laughs> We are not the only ones doing this. And that it's, I, I had the sense that all of a sudden that it's not just, the stakes are not just my own happiness or your own happiness or whatever, that like we are part of a mass movement Mm. and that each one of us contributes another drop to the, to the bucket. And we are creating like a change in how we imagine ourselves, how we imagine society, how we imagine 
work and life and yeah you know these things that we were talking about contractual agreements and business like um that's cool i don't know i because i just i and and then then and then i watched the show on netflix last night about like um tourist destinations post-pandemic netflix is doing a thing and they went to bali the first time and some of the places they stayed were so imaginatively created that it just like it can i mean i feel like the the next frontier is you know is going to be instead of consuming things is going to be consuming experiences mm. and, and this has been said but i think this is like going to boom and that like the amount of imagination you use to create a space or like a like a a time bound discrete experience mm -hmm. like i mean you know the sky's the limit yeah and you know the, like some of these like one of the two of the spaces that the people stayed in like one of them was a work of art all made out of bamboo i mean it was incredible oh. <laughs> um you know, so breaking paradigms, you know, like, you know, what is a house? What is a vacation rental? Like, mm -hmm. and on and on. What is a life? Right. <laughs> what is a career? What is a family? Like all of, yeah. All of it. All of it. Yeah. Mm. And, and I'm having major withdrawals from the forest. I bet you live in the forest, Katie. <laughs> This is different. This is I different. No, I completely understand you. It's but different. it's just funny because understand. you're like, I'm in withdrawal. And I'm like, I have been in the suburbs. You know, <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the thing. I'm in this beautiful house and I am surrounded by woods. And I'm still like, I'm yeah. like longing. There's something yeah. that like is there's a whole other thing that you <sighs> get when you're in the forest like that. But it's true. Yeah. That's true. That particular kind of forest too. So much water, mm -hmm. so lush and yeah. The, I have to say that where where I've been, aside from the last couple of weeks in the suburbs, it's so the the forest here is is incredible in the Pacific Northwest. And like you hear about right? it and all that, but like you can't really get it unless you're in it. And it's yeah. been really, really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, I bet. Ah. Mm -hmm. Did you get to go hiking to Mount wherever? Not yet. Um, Mount Rainier. We're going to go to Mount Rainier. Mm -hmm. um, whenever, either this weekend or next, I think. You, you have a hiking buddy? Yeah, well, the my friends I'm staying with now, they're yeah. we're gonna yeah, he's he's like, weekend adventure wagon, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> um, awesome. So yeah, but I was able to get I was able to get to this past weekend with a friend, um, Vashon Island, mm. which is like an island. It's in between Seattle down like proper Seattle and where I am, which is on the Olympic Peninsula side mm. of the water from Seattle. Mm. Um, and then also like the Arboretum that is actually in the city, I was able to go and do like a pretty long 
run, walk, ramble through that. And like, it was incredible. Like all of the different trees and um, yeah. And then Vashon, like the speech we went to reminded me of the beach I live close to in Maui. Mm. So, you know, the one that I lived a mile from and would go to not every day, but quite often. And it, it was different, but it was very similar feeling. And like, whereas on that beach, you look over and it's Haleakala, like the speech you looked over and it was Mount Rainier. Yeah. And it was wild. Like it was, it was a trippy weekend of like magic and amazingness. Yeah. And yeah. I found this rock. I'm going to show you this rock. Um, and this rock reminded me a, like it looks like Ooh. there's this almost it's like the blank rune. That's what it reminded me of. Mm. Um, but then it also kind of reminded me of Saturn for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and because yeah. right before I, f- I found this rock. So for those listening on audio, it's like it's like a palm sized rock that's kind of rounded, rounded. Square straight strations is that a word of like striated from like darker almost like a purplish to is it is it is it a quartz or is it some other kind of is it translucent a little no it's not no but it is like there then there's this kind of a circle on it Mm. and within the circle like you can there's little sparkles like you probably can't see it but like in that little line oh I feel like if I busted it open it may actually be kind of a quartz type Mm. situation um which I probably won't do but and right before this finding this there was this other like larger rock that looked like Jupiter (laughs) oh cool yeah and so it was like what's going on like (laughs) (laughs) So I, I collected a few and it was, you know, cause on Maui, it's like, don't take the rocks. Right. So I was like, can I take some rocks from this place? My friend was like, sure. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like I'll try not to collect too many. <laughs> like I could have had like backpacks full of <laughs> different, like beautiful rocks, but I only took four. So do you have the other ones? Yeah, I do. I can grab them. Um, one of them. I think might be going to a friend of mine. This one, it's like a greenish. Ooh, is it greenish? Yeah. Weird. What is that? I have no idea. And then there's this greenish one and then a baby one. Yeah. It's the same type of rock, but tiny. Do they look like in person, like the, like if you, broke them open they would be shiny on the inside where they weren't worn mm. like you know how obsidian can get polished and it gets sort of maybe smoky on the outside and then you break it and it's shiny maybe mm. but it might just be worn from the water because these are like along the shoreline yeah and then this little guy that I love that's like small and dark mm. but again it has this like white the ring white stripe yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm you know doing my normal thing of collecting <laughs> rocks and feathers and random <laughs> things wherever i go yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah so magic. yeah magic out here in 
I don't know this place. I feel like this place might be calling me. Don't know when or how, but, mm. and it's a little bit sad, but it's also exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll let it settle. Yeah. What's housing like out there? I don't know. Honestly, like the me. friends I've stayed with, two of them are like in the suburbs and this is a brand new house that I'm in right now. Mm. The other one I stayed in was, I think built in 2017, 2017, maybe or 18. So it's not that old. Um, but like, as far as like, I would probably be more in the city vibe and I, I don't know what any costs or whatever are like out here. Um, I mean, I've heard things, but I don't actually, I think it's pretty expensive, but after, like I lived in DC for 10 years and then in Hawaii for four years. So right. It is definitely more expensive than like Blacksburg probably significantly. So, but based, you know, compared to those other two places that are pretty high cost of living, it's, I'd say it's probably synonymous, but I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And you're also there in the summer. You should check it out when it's right. cold. No, I've said, I was like, <laughs> if, if I were to come be here, I don't, <laughs> I feel like I sound like a spoiled brat when I say this, but I'm like, I don't want to be here all year. <laughs> like I want to go to Maui for January and February. And I want to come to Blacksburg for at least two months out of the year. Um, and if I can, make that work with my life and money and all that yay and if not I realize that may not be the case but I definitely feel like I need to come back here for like November like the month of November or something when it's yeah. like the the crap time to see if I really want to be here or if this is just one of my a couple month spots right because yeah. I could easily come stay with my friends for a month or two like in the summers when it's gorgeous here and kind of hike and play and hopefully next year rental cars will be cheaper right yes <laughs> so I we'll think see. that's all going to be temporary yeah it's ridiculous we'll see yeah, like I don't know I'm in a no, I don't know phase I feel like I constantly live in an I don't know phase but you know it's I have been feeling like the pandemic phase was winding down and then like this is maybe like an intermission portion <laughs> mm -hmm. and in time whatever is next will reveal itself yeah because as much as I really genuinely do love being in Blacksburg like I don't think it's quite time for me to land there permanently mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I could see that yeah. And you know, when you're called to a place that is, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I found it very disoriented to stop being called to places. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard because, you know, for, I felt like for the, for the first half of my life, I was called to different places. Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, my family, I grew up, you know, we moved every two years and, 
there was a lot of travel in my young childhood. Yeah. And I wasn't in control of that. So there was that combination of either that or me feeling called to a place. And, and then when that stopped, that was a bit disorienting. <laughs> yeah. I bet so. But, but I'm good. I'm good. I just, I just want to get back to the forest. I'm really like trying to, I'm really, I wasn't thinking about it quite in this way before I was kind of thinking about it more just as a, a business possibility, you know, to develop a rental property, uh, you know, monetize it in some way or whatever, just Mm -hmm. as an, as a thought exercise, Mm -hmm. not even really something that I thought, oh, I have to do this or want to do this so bad. It was just but now I like, I've, I have a visceral longing to go to spend more there. time yeah. there. Yeah. Some way. And I'm fascinated by the idea of creating extraordinary spaces, mm. just really breaking the mold, you know, in what a space can be. Yeah. So you are being called. <laughs> I am being called. I am being called. The forest is calling me. Yes. Yes. So I did not regret any of the times I followed the call to be in a, in a place. Yeah. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually the only move that I had regrets about was the one where I didn't listen to mm. the stop <laughs> the warning to, to not go. Yeah. You got to listen to that. I yeah. listened to my fears instead mm-hmm. and went to graduate school in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've made use of it, Yeah, but that was hard, hard experience. Yeah. But all the other, all the other moves. So I'm just saying, if you feel it, follow it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's interesting too, from an elemental perspective. Um, and I think you got a reading with Julie North, right? A long time ago. Mm-hmm. So she's this medical medium. Um, and she talked about to me in our reading, how different places have different elemental energies. Mm-hmm. And I lived in DC for a decade. And she said that is a strange, like almost the inner elemental energy of like metal. Mm. Um, and she that. said like, for somebody like me, who's very empathic and intuitive, like it was a really hard place to be. And like, she said something about like, I'm surprised you didn't end up in like a mental institution or something. Oh God. <laughs> But that where I was when I got the reading with her was Hawaii, which she's like, lots of people think the element of Hawaii is water because it's in the middle of the ocean, but it's actually fire. And I know you, we've talked about this, yeah. I think, but it's, it was like, yeah, it burns, it burned a lot of my shit off. Well, <laughs> Big Island and Maui for sure. Yeah. I'm not sure about yeah. Oahu and Kauai being fire. Mm. They felt very watery to me, but I have that. Yeah. I have a Neptune line there or something. So oh yeah. Could explain it, but that's cool. Um, but I, Big I, Island is, 
big time. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Big Island is big time. <laughs> Whoa, Pele is strong. <laughs> but, um, but I feel like Blacksburg is Earth. Mm. Wouldn't you say? Would you say that? Hmm. I guess so. I guess so. Mountain. Mm. Earth mountain. Mm-hmm. But I also think of trees. Mm-hmm. Wood. Earth mountain trees. Earth wood. wood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I don't really think haven't categorized places that way that much. Yeah. Um, but so Seattle feel like Seattle feels very much like water. And and water there's and three. stone. Mm. Water and stone to me. Mm. Yeah. So it's interesting, like to have the awareness of the place, you know, a place from the energetic element, elemental mm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'd say for me personally, it's just it's very fascinating. Mm. But then it's also interesting to think about like different phases of my life based on elemental energy of place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one layer for sure Mm -hmm. of the connection with a place. Yeah. 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 Surrender. (laughs) Surrender to the water. Surrender being the theme for Pluto process, which we were discussing before we started recording, which Larkin is in the Pluto square Pluto, which is, it's a developmental stage that you share with your age cohort. Mm. Um, Some generations experience Pluto square Pluto rather late in life. Um, I think the World War II generation, they got it very late in life. Mm. so you are born during fast Pluto times yeah and generations that are born during fast Pluto times tend to galvanize social change because they have like as a group you're all going through Pluto square Pluto like you know like no one escapes it you know (laughs) you might get Pluto to other personal planets just depending on your chart but the Pluto square Pluto is something that everyone your age is going through around mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting too, because that means you're reconnecting with all these old classmates, right? Are I they am. all the same age as you? Yeah. Yep. So are they kind of, can you tell that this is kind of going on in their life? It can be a little different depending on what time of year you were born, if Pluto's retrograde yeah. or whatever. I feel like, yes, I feel like there's been like, it's transformation time for a lot of folks in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the strategy when you're in Pluto is surrender. Mm. And, and also my favorite one of we're, we, we have a separate astrology episode are we going to do that this time (laughs) yeah we can do anyway to make a list of all your deepest darkest fears when you're anticipating a pluto process pluto transit usually several years 
and then relax knowing that none of the things on your list are going to happen because Pluto doesn't operate that way. Pluto likes to surprise us. Yeah. Or take us unawares is maybe a better way to say <laughs> Because you have to be viscerally engaged. You have to get by, you have to get past the mental mm-hmm. defenses to get into Pluto. The deep unconscious. The realms of Pluto. The life force, the realms of life force. Mm. Don't try no holding on. (laughs) Don't try to control it. Getting the image of one of those old school metal barred merry-go-rounds in the playground. (laughs) And like, we used to like hold on and like hang off of it. Totally. Get so sick. (laughs) Oh my God. Just let go. Just let go. (laughs) Fly off into the dirt. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, did you do you want to do a a starshine episode? We've decided to call them our starshine episodes. Yeah, our astrology deep dive. Um, because I thought you wanted you had some Mercury stuff to talk about. Oh yeah, tracking the Mercury cycle. Mm-hmm. I have more uh, personal observations, and then I was curious what your observations were. I've got dates and stuff. Mm. I don't know if you get, so before we do that, um, yeah, we'll at least do a little short one. Okay. Um, but before we do that, was there anything else that's kind of non-astrology topical? No, I don't think so. Just, you know, general life explosion stuff, but we've talked about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, oh, I'm curious, like, I, I'm just curious for the report. Also, I keep asking how things are on the West Coast. I'm just curious, like, what is, you know, we're sort of emerging from the lockdown phase, mm-hmm. and people are traveling mm-hmm. and starting to re-engage in society. And like, what streams of thought are you noticing? What trends? I don't know. I'm feeling, I mean, similar to what I think I said about Portland, like there's definitely still more caution here. I would say like in Seattle, like you still must wear a mask indoors in a lot of places, even if you're fully vaccinated. Uh Um, Interesting. But I would say generally like over the weekend, was very much I think my first like whoa I'm in a city there's people everywhere like it was the first nice weekend out here mm. it's still been like rainy 50s type weather January mm-hmm. I guess they call it mm. <laughs> um, <Interesting. laughs> and there were tons of people at the beaches like everywhere bars like it was wild it was wild so I'd what say are people talking about, well, <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on who you're talking to because the people I've been spending time with 
are in very different kind of situations and phases of their lives. Um, but I would say like, if it's not about like their kids and whatnot, there's been a lot of talk about like what, you know, what has happened, what is next. Like, mm. I think I mentioned before, like feeling like we're kind of now in this brief intermission mm. where like, you know, there was the show or the act one or the first movie or whatever. And it's like, now everyone's kind of out of the theater milling about maybe there's like cleaning up the aisles or whatever. And it's, it's like, okay. And I think, you know, I think maybe September, I know a lot of my friends that are do remote work for um, kind of corporate style jobs. Like, they're all have been told like September is when we expect you to start coming back in on a regular basis to the office. Okay. And September. All right. That's if you, you know, for this company, like you need to be on site like 40% of the time, or you can make a case for wanting to be remote more mm. percent of the time. Um, but it's like, I think, the summer feels a little bit intermission-y or like pause or like wow we're finally out and let's go crazy and then like as right. as fall comes around I feel like people are going to be filing back in mm -hmm. to the theater but like I don't know what it's going to be what show is going to be you know right right <laughs> yeah actually we we're talking to my cousin and she was uh she works um in the financial aid office at a small college in North Carolina. And they, I guess there's a, there's some tension over um, being able to work remote versus not. And the, mm -hmm. the college is saying, no, you have to come back to work. Wow. If you're vaccinated, you can't work remote anymore. So and now people I, are getting punished for being vaccinated. I know. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know and she was feeling kind of a little bitter because she felt that it had been demonstrated to be totally effective and you know possible right. because because apparently so like they have to do a lot of one-on-one um, -on -one appointments with students you know mm -hmm. it's financial aid right mm -hmm. and actually it turns out that students would rather do a zoom appointment and not have to walk across campus sure. <laughs> from their dorms to come to the appointment. And so she's feeling a little disgruntled that like, why can't we adapt and use this? I you know, that's going to be up quite a bit, honestly, like it is at least for the people that have been paying attention and mm -hmm. self-reflecting and self-aware, like, okay, this situation was actually a lot better mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So like, why are we just blindly going back to like what was normal before? Yeah. Like, can we please use this to, to change things to make like a real shift that is going to be beneficial for majority of the people involved? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some people don't do well working at home. They get distracted. Right. I mean, I hear the same story over and over again. I get distracted. I can't focus, you know. 
Mm-hmm. La 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 la. Or I can't pull myself away from work. So it's not good. Cause I can't just leave it. You know, I'm always like, yeah, working. Um, but for those who it does work for, I just think I do, I do. I, I think that there's going to be more pressure certainly from the workforce to have other solutions that I'll allow, you know, that to get incorporated in. I don't know. I had had an, I had had the idea that there was a lot, there were a lot more employers who were, who were going to be incorporating that, you know, that maybe the more innovative companies were going to do it. I don't know. And there may be, I mean, there may be. Yeah. Yeah. Your, are your friends in any, are they having to have that argument with their employers or are they, I think in an industry where it's not an issue? No, they, so I think like my two friends, one worked for, works for Microsoft, one works mm. for Liberty Mutual. Mm. And those are the two companies I think that have said like by September, I know definitely the like Microsoft put out like a memo, even though I guess they had some meeting really? where, where it was discussed how much more efficient and like productive and profitable the time working at home had been. Mm-hmm. But starting in September, we want everyone to come back either. It's either two or three days of the week, 50% basically. Okay. In person and half time virtual Can be remote. And if you want to be more remote, more percent, you need to make a case for yourself to your supervisor or whatever. So <sighs> my friend, and this is the, you know, person with the young, the four month old mm-hmm. going to be making a case that she would prefer to be more virtual than not. Uh, more and is, work. is this like company wide at Microsoft or just her department? I think it's company wide. Wow. I'm not positive. But if it's company wide, that's a big that's a big indicator because yeah. they're not a backward company and they're tech. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're yeah. a tech company. Yeah. <sighs> that's a little disappointing. <laughs> yeah. And I I would hope that they are decide, you know, decided to just like do this and see how it goes. But I doubt, you know, I think things are going to get back to normal Mm. pretty quickly. Right. Before people really have time to settle, take a breath, reflect, take stock. Okay. What needs to shift? How can we use this crazy time to really grow and like to an advantage? I, I don't see a ton of that happening. Unfortunately, I think maybe on a more personal level, it will. Mm. but maybe probably not in the big, but, you know, still giving, still only being 50% in person after that was just the way it was all the time. Like that is kind of a change. Yeah. Significant change. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. (laughs) My other, the friends I'm staying with now, like one of, one of them has been, she was been virtual for the last several years, like 20, since 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like me. Right. Yeah. So it, you know, 
her, she's not getting any kind of shift and she she really likes it that way yeah, yeah. um and then the other friend works for kind of like a small a small business and I'm not really sure what how that's going to pan out but he definitely has kind of more influence and ideas about it you know mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is nice so I think maybe like on more personal levels than smaller companies and businesses like maybe but the bigger corporations and then there's all the like storefronts and restaurants and all that stuff that yeah I mean there are things that thankfully still are in person yeah and you need a live human being I mean I I don't want to go away from that like I think that's also a mistake going all virtual you order all your food robots deliver it I mean no please (laughs) um but it's fa- it's very fascinating. Yes. Uzi. Uh, Uzi wants something. All right. Let's pause it. I think he needs. So, the cat just needed a little attention. <laughs> Uzi. Uzi. Uzi pretends like he doesn't need me at all when I'm here all the time. But after I've been gone for five days, he's a little needy. (laughs) He just woke up from a nap and he just wanted, I don't know what. So he's sitting out there looking at the outside. Mm. So I guess, I guess that's it. I mean, I feel like whatever changes are coming sort of, that have been stirred up and inspired by this like bizarre, crazy year, year and a half that we've had Mm -hmm. are, maybe they're kind of, we're sort of building a momentum, like individuals, right? Individuals are making individual choices and yeah. And that the more of us do continue to do that, then it, will start sort of like appearing on a larger scale. (laughs) Yeah, choices that are trending towards personal sovereignty. Personal sovereignty. Yeah. Choosing that over external expectations or the, the way that's done or all of that stuff almost I feel like I'm hoping it's more holistic Mm. of Mm. the whole person right you know like the whole person but also I'm interested in innovation Mm. beautiful innovation yeah I was so inspired by those like vacation rentals in Bali (laughs) yeah I was just like oh my gosh this is where you know I guess tourism meets art, you know, architecture and design and, mm-hmm. you know, anyway. Yeah, that, that uh, it can be sort of a return to some things that are old, but also like creating things that are completely new. Oh, this is another topic. Oh my God. I have to just mention this. 
So I finished, I just finished reading a book called Entangled Life by, he's got an awesome name. The author's name is Merlin Sheldrake. Oh, I've heard of him. You couldn't make it up. He's so cute. (laughs) I've heard of him, but I don't remember where, but have you mentioned him before? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think I had really, had I gotten into it? This is about mushrooms and fungi and mycelia. Someone was literally just telling me about this book. So I need to read it. It is. Okay. Yes. Wow. It's it's a trendy, amazing, exciting, innovative, cool ass topic. (laughs) Or maybe I saw it because this weekend in Seattle, I went to this little like garden store that was right next to the Arboretum in that store. Maybe but I feel so. like someone has told me about it. Anyway, that part is not important. It's just important that now I need to explore it. It's, so tell me more so about I it. I listened to it on Audible and as an Audible book. Mm-hmm. And the author narrates it. And cool. he's so cute. I had this image of him in my mind and it was not far off. <laughs> my mom, she's so funny. She said, after a while, I... I didn't really retain the details. I just enjoyed listening to his voice. That's awesome. Honestly, that's me whenever I read or listen to anything, but <laughs> I don't retain it. <laughs> well, the, the science in it is fascinating. And there's also like cutting edge technology and stuff as well mm. that's coming out of it. So, so of course you'll have, I'm sure heard about the whole idea that the the, the forest or the root systems of trees are connected by mycelial networks and that they can communicate with each other in some way, mm. transmitting information across, you know, like across the forest yeah. um, through these mycelial networks, which are like the, the stringy connecting parts of mushrooms actually, or fun, fungi, fungi, fungi. He said it fungi, I think. I kept going, is that right? But I mean, he's the guy, so it must be right. Anyway, there, uh, there's all kinds of things that get passed along in these networks and they're completely symbiotic with, uh, plants. Like they're usually, you know, it's mutually beneficial. Occasionally, of course, there's molds and stuff that can kill things. I mean, it's not to idealize that whole, it's a whole kingdom of life. It's different than animals and plants. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so like the first part of the book sort of covers that kind of stuff. Like what are lichens? Turns out that lichens are, they're kind of like cities. Wow. It's in it. They're like groups of fungus and I can't even remember. (laughs) It's fungus plus bacteria. Plus maybe mosses. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see. I didn't retain a lot of it. But the thing I came away from it with is it's not a single organism. A a lichen is a collective. Mm. And it's a symbiotic collective. Like it's equally equal parts of these different kinds of creatures. Mm -hmm. So then there's like this whole foray into uh, 
like magic mushrooms and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then the end of this book talks about like cutting edge technology. And this is the part where I got really excited. So there are fungal and my, mycelial solutions to all kinds of things currently like you know, toxic waste spills, we could probably, you know, with a little time, they're going to come up with ways to solve all the problems of like plastics in the, in the food chain and the polluted oceans and, you know, toxic wow. waste, you know, nuclear waste, you know, dumps and all of that. There are wow. currently, there's an amazing radio lab story about these geese that land overnight on a did, do you know this one? The geese who land on the, it's a, a, it's a mine, a pit mine that struck water, filled up with water. The water hit some mineral in there and interacted with the other ones and it became this complete toxic soup. Mm. Um, I think hydrochloric acid and then, and then it triggered some of the other you know, there's heavy metals and stuff. They were mining for copper and other things. It's in Wyoming, I believe. Hmm. And it's this cool, it's a cool episode. It's called un, the, something, I think it's called Unintended Consequences. I feel like I've listened ago. to this like a long time ago. Probably, because I thought it was the coolest thing I'd heard in a long time. Yeah. They these geese landed oh they flew over overnight they landed on this lake and they all died so that was like they have there are all these dead geese in this like toxic waste pit and you're just like oh my god this is mm -hmm. terrible well eventually they found things growing in that toxic like lake and studied them and found that um, one of them is really good at eating toxic waste like it 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 eats wow. it metabolizes it and breaks it down or something yeah and they did a bunch of research to find out where it came from and they found that the its closest relative was a yeast that lives in the anal cavities of geese yeah i do remember that now <laughs> that's crazy so there's like so many levels on which that is such a cool story. Just like, you know, on the one hand, oh, tragedy on the other, like cosmic, like, right. Blessing in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was some, you know, I don't know. Anyway, this is, this is an example of the kinds of solutions that there are out there that are already being used for. Oh, yeah that kind of stuff. So that was cool. But I already knew about those. This other thing is there's the, there's a company. So Paul Stamets is this famous person in the field. And um, I don't know if it's him or in the there's a company. Field? What's that in the fungi field? Yes. Okay. Mushrooms. Like he's a mushroom guru. Um, I don't know what you would call him. What is the one where you're like, He's just obsessed with mushrooms and okay. mushrooms are going to save the planet. The mushroom fanboy. I mean, he's way more than that. He has popularized it. And he's also 
started all these companies and he's like a multi mega billionaire or something. Anyway, um, I don't know if it's his company, but there's a company called, I don't know what it's called. They build, they make construction materials out of mycelia. Wow. And so they, so a, you're getting rid of the whole problem of, um, non-renewable construction materials. Mm-hmm. you know, wood and I mean, rocks and stone and everything like that. Like, so that they, they um, like just as one example of construction materials, they take these molds that are in the shape of bricks and they pack them with um, moist, like sawdust, which is also like a waste product from the lumber industry. Yeah. And then they put, uh, there's two mushrooms that they use, the one that creates reishi mushrooms and the one that creates turkey tail mushrooms. And they throw them at these molds and they like literally eat their way through these molds. And then they harvest them, bake them. So they do kill them, but yeah. they, they bake them and then they turn into these amazing bricks that can be used to build buildings crazy and that are then you can there's some process you can use to break but biodegrade them back down if you need to mm-hmm. but they're strong they're like a good construction material How and someone like discover this like it's right crazy. yeah it is crazy it's crazy and bricks are just like the most pedestrian application there's um sure. they're like they can um so they can, I think they can create molds like that I think can grow like in domes and stuff and they can grow like a dome and then it's like a permanent shelter or it can be a temporary wow. shelter. Like apparently they can do emergency shelters out of this stuff that's that are I was just thinking about that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and then when you don't need them anymore, you can break them back down. Mm-hmm. So dude. And, and the coolest, latest thing, which they haven't, hadn't mastered yet as of the publication of the book was they know that um, mycelia conduct electricity. Like that's one way they communicate like in a brain. (laughs) Wow. And so they're trying to uh, grow mycelia, like grow mycelial walls that will conduct electricity and communication, like instead of internet cables and electrical wires, it will just all be grown out of the mycelia. Oh my gosh, that's insane. I mean, I can just see it all, right? Like here it comes, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean. That's cool. Yeah. And. And there's, a, there's just, it's just, it's so exciting. There's so much interesting stuff happening. And so like, this was the first like really concrete example I saw where like the solutions to a lot of our problems, right? They're being, it's like happening now. The pioneering yeah. work is happening now. Right. It's and emerging. I feel like it's going to be up to the individuals to like, say yes and to make that choice to the new more and more yeah and to you know to advocate for that yeah yeah 
I mean, I think that one of the things about these building materials is that they're very inexpensive. Mm, that's good. I think, mm-hmm. but I haven't gone and looked at it. You yeah. know, you know, when something's new, it's always expensive. Right. So, but anyway, <sighs> that's really cool. Very exciting. <laughs> oh, and also it turns out that Turns out that, and this is sort of in the other side, but it's there's some part of the big picture that is being held in this. Mm. That the you know global warming, uh, carbon emissions are causing global global warming. warming. Yes. (laughs) It turns out that we our our industrial post industrial output, you know, the great spike in in production that is our fault mm-hmm. only makes up like 10 or 15% of the total output annually that the rest is these um, mycelia or fungus that break down cellulose like wood. So this is just a natural part of the life cycle that has evolved um, mm-hmm. over time and that they are the, the biggest culprits. They're the biggest emitters. Wow. More so than we are. So if we can figure out a way to harness them differently, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and this is his point is that at every major leap in evolution, there's been a crisis. And at every crisis point, the mycelia or the fung- fungi, the fungus kingdom has come up with a solution. And in the past, it was just sort of happened in the organic way that evolution does. But now we're consciously co-creating with the fun- the fungi. <laughs> um, That's cool. So, <clears throat> I like it. I like it. On that hopeful note, yes, we're gonna sign off, and we're gonna do a little bit of starshine. Starshine, starshine, Mercury, something. (laughs) Bring my star dress. (laughs) Thank you for being with us, and we will see you next time. 